0: Good morning and welcome everybody, Your are listening to Breakfast Show on Faith FM, 87.6, 87.8 or 88, right across Australia, right across the Faith FM network, wherever you are, Positively Different Radio in the morning, and you are with Lyle and... Minnie! Minnie! How are you this morning?
1: Oh, well, look, we've just been having a conversation before we all came on air and it's got me excited about the possibilities of adventures. (laughs) (laughs) It doesn't doesn't take much
0: to get Minnie excited about adventures. It's like, (laughs) yes, where's the next one? Let's go. Point me in the direction.
1: (laughs) Absolutely. How are you feeling this morning?
0: I'm feeling great.
1: Hey, that's good.
0: Yeah, God is good.
1: Yeah. Also true. Uh, Very true.
0: Amazing. (laughs) What are you thankful for?
1: Oh, look, my garden has the most amazing snow peas at the moment. They're like Ooh, super fat, super okay. green, super fresh. It's so just been raining, so they've been going hard. I mean, they're already growing pretty well. But it's just like delightful to walk out and be like, I'm just going to have a little munch on those.
0: Liam and I are coming to visit. Yeah,
1: they might, they might be gone, but you're welcome. <laughs> what about you? What are you thankful for?
0: Okay, the end. Digital started last night. Yes, I was so ask much you about fun. That. Mm-hmm. Uh, the four of us did the live Q and A panel after the presentation. So Justin uh, Tarosin did the first presentation. I'm on again. I'm on tonight and the next night. And so, uh, but it was just really good fun. You know, getting together with the with the other three guys. All of the questions coming through from the listeners, we didn't get to answer all of them. Yeah, right. In fact, the one that I was really hanging out to answer was the next one on the list. I was like,
1: ah,
0: and, that, and that we ran out of time. Oh, can you do a sneaky, we went,
1: like chuck it in tonight? We
0: went 15 minutes over time as Ooh, it was.
1: <laughs> Brilliant.
0: So, yeah, we'll try, and, we'll try and sneak it in tonight. Um, but, yeah, it was just, it was great. Mm. It was great. Yeah, really excited about it.
1: Yeah, I, I wanted to watch it and then I didn't look at the time and it was suddenly an hour later and I was like, Oh, I might be done. But I could've got the last fifteen minutes. Now you I know. Could now have I done. know, just jump you on could anyway. Have done.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. Jump on, see what's happening. You're listening to the Breakfast Joe podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Okay, what's happening in the world of positively different news today?
1: You know what? Those are actually really cool news stories. And I was like, Huh. Which one will I choose? But Earlier this week, the Smith Ocean Institute had a discovery in the Great Barrier Reef, so Australia story, um, of a natural structure which measured more than pretty much half a kilometre high. And what they reckon it is, is just a massive piece of detached reef, which they reckon is the first new dis- discovery of something like this in over a century. Like they reckon the last time they had, because they're mapping, basically, they've. So it's a section
0: of detached reef? Yes. How big?
1: So high is about half a kilometre. Its base is about one and a half kilometres long. It's big. It's it's a solid amount. It's not just a little like thing floated in the ocean. (laughs) So
0: where did it detach from?
1: Well, look, I didn't really understand that part. And apparently, so the last time this area or that they had a discovery of something like this was in the late 1800s with seven other pieces of detached reef. Like, big, right. big area. So, I don't know really how all these voyage exploration situations work. <laughs>
0: right, yes, okay.
1: Because they said at its shallowest depth, it's 40 metres below the sea surface, which I'm like, well, that's not that far down. Like, surely someone would have discovered the surface, but I guess if you're not looking, and I didn't really gather how far off the coast or anything it was. Anyway. So, cool. Reckon, I thought it was super cool. And the lady, one of the ladies, Wendy Smith, who is the co-founder of the Institute, says it just affirms what they already know about how little we know about the ocean. Yes. (laughs) Because they said, you know, there's been like a whole bunch of different species they found, which I love the ocean. It's slightly terrifying because there's so many things that we just don't know about. Like you know, every time there's Do you go,
0: when you go snorkeling and you swim out oh, yeah. and suddenly it's just dark underneath. Does it just sort of send a little shiver down your spine? You, and you can't see the bottom I
1: It does more than it used to.
0: <laughs> like when I was a
1: kid, it was just like, ooh, there's something exciting down there." Now I'm like, "Yeah, but I don't know what else is down there that's not so exciting." I can't see.
0: I can't see the bottom. It's dark down there.
1: Yeah, I actually have quite a few friends who completely distrust the ocean because they're like yeah it's pretty from the shore but once you're there you don't know what's in there it's like yeah, valid.
0: <laughs> what, what I found interesting is several times when I've gone for a swim, you know, gone for a swim, swim around, done all that kind of thing, mm-hmm. and then come in, put the snorkel on, and there's still people swimming out there just sort of blissfully swimming around, put the snorkel on, gone for a snorkel, yeah. and, you know, you see people's feet kicking around, and underneath their feet is just like all of these fish. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, the, every, you know, you, the whole time you're completely oblivious to all of this life that is pretty much just under your feet.
1: Totally, yeah.
0: It's amazing.
1: Absolutely.
0: So when you go for a swim, you never know what it is that is just under your feet. Just under your, just feet, under your feet. you can't
1: see it. I was going to say the worst is when you don't realise there's anything under the water and you put your feet down it and it's just like the slimy something. You know, it's probably seaweed or whatever. Yes. It's just seaweed. But
0: You always pull your feet up pretty yeah, quick, yeah. Eh? like so quick. You're like, Whoa, <laughs> <no.">
1: <laughs> but yeah, and so these guys are just in their little... So this is basically, I think they said it's been about a year-long voyage. It's coming to an end in November. Um, and they were just saying, really, a lot of the mapping that they've done and, you know, people can still do today is due to modern technology because yes. they're going, we've got eyes, ears, hands, whatever you want to call it, in just areas in the ocean that we just haven't had access to before. And so it's kind, of, it's kind of cool, the technology we have. I also think we need to be a bit, oh, what would the word be? Like ethical technology, which I'm not saying this isn't, but I'm like technology has its, you know, good and bad. But I think this is very cool. I was like, Yeah. And they haven't found anything too crazy like they've the new species haven't been like a crazy you know squid that is as big as a room or anything like that's to me that's a bit freaky, but like it's just been like different fish and different fun things
0: no I think that's uh, and this is and this is one of the things that you know I really appreciate is there is so much yet to discover mm. so many insects that have just never been described yeah and now a whole bunch of fish that have never been described
1: mm-hmm totally yeah there's just a whole world in the sea anyway. Just moving on now, another story. So this this is a little bit of history now, but it's only just come out yesterday. I wasn't in Australia like a year ago, but I know there were some hectic fires, right? So let's just... Okay, in
0: New Zealand, did you see the smoke? Did you taste the smoke? Was it like There was a visible? couple of
1: times that you were like, oh, it's a bit bit hazy. Not as bad as I had some friends down a bit further south and they were like, it's so bad here. Um, wow! Yeah, all the so way That's a long way away. away. So far, <laughs> like, it's just people were telling me that, and I was like, "Bro, that's not how it works." And then, like, people on the news were like, "Yeah, we have this." I was like, "What? <laughs> I didn't know that was possible." But so, just before New Year's, I can't remember when he said it was, but so. There's an there's a man named Brett Hawkins and him yes, and his
0: wife. Yes, uh huh. Did you hear about the story? We did. We heard about this story. Oh, and the mulberry tree. Yes. This okay. has been Amazing. This has been all over the. It news. only
1: came up on my feed yesterday afternoon. So uh, I was just like, I'll tell you about this story. Yeah. Um, I clearly won't tell you about this story. <laughs> but I was just like, that's the coolest. Like, if nothing else, is not that not? I'm just, I'm going to continue so the, the story. The moral a of second. the story
0: is, plant a mulberry tree and water it. Fill plant it a with mulberry water. tree.
1: But also, I just reckon this is where I'm gonna take the side note while we're still on that topic of nature, yes. even though we sort of aren't. But I just think that this is such a testament of like how nature testifies of like who God is, because I'm like, you have a space that's like completely dry and dead, but where you have that life, you have salvation. Yes. Do you know what I mean? Yes, that because water,
0: it, that water giving life,
1: hundred percent. And I was just like, bro, like nature object lessons all around us. Like Jesus used nature in his parables all the time for a reason. Anyway, I just I just think we should look to nature more when we're learning about Jesus.
0: Absolutely, of course we should. Always always look to nature because I mean this is where Jesus drew so many of his object lessons from. He would look around, you know, and and when you see something in nature and attach a lesson to it, you remember it because every time you see the same thing in nature, Mm. every time you go and eat a mulberry and I was eating mulberries yesterday. Yeah, you yeah. um, are. Every time you go and eat mulberries, you know it can be a reminder that water gives life mm. and water mm-hmm. saves, and water saves us from fire. Yeah, you know so many, so many parallels, so many lessons. Yeah, right? Yeah, so good. You're listening to the Breakfast Joe podcast on Faith FM positively different. Uh, Getting on to more serious news, of course, uh, yesterday we had the confirmation of, uh, or the swearing in of Amy Coney Barrett in the United States as a Supreme Court Justice. Yes. This is interesting. It means that regardless of what happens in the election, Donald Trump's legacy is going to last for a very, very long time into the future because Mm. he's been able to appoint a majority of Supreme Court Justices. Uh, Probably the most interesting thing just following this, this whole story, is the radical change that the Supreme Court has taken in recent years religiously. Mm-mm. And so the United States, up until 1994, was very, very intentional about ensuring that the Supreme Court was had a majority of Protestant justices. Yeah, And the reason for that, of course, was that uh, the Roman Catholic Church has written... Um, you know, a syllabus of errors after you know, in relationship to the United States Constitution. Uh, it's written an encyclical letter condemning the United States Constitution. So, you know, there's been some really, really strong state. You can't get a stronger statement against.
1: Yeah, 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 right.
0: And the Supreme Court is. Their job is to interpret the Constitution. So the Supreme Court is all about the Constitution. So they've always. They've always been very, very historically. America has been, histor- been leery about having Roman Catholics on the Supreme Court interpreting their Constitution, when their Pope has, you know, so plainly declared that it's kind of of the devil. Hmm.
2: Uh,
0: anyway, so uh, there's been about what 215 Supreme Court justices since the Supreme Court was invented. Out of that, only 14 of them have been Roman Catholic.
1: Just really quickly, is there a reason that they have the job for so long?
0: Yes, there is. Okay. We'll get into that another okay, day. Okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> But is. basically they have it either for life or until retirement.
1: Yeah, but that's a long time.
0: Yes, and they're appointed rather than elected. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which we here in Australia, we kind of scratch our heads out a little bit, but hey, we had uh, a high court judge that was appointed the other day and we didn't even hear about it.
1: I do. No, yeah. No, it's it's a complete not
0: event in this country. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but okay, so 14 out of the 215 only 14 have been Roman Catholic. What is interesting mm. is that since 2010, they haven't had a single Protestant or Evangelical on the Supreme Court, not one. Ooh. That,
1: that is interesting.
0: A radical change yeah. in a very short space of time. Yeah. And Amy Coney Barrett just continues that legacy.
1: Hmm. Interesting.
0: It is, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Oh, it's I don't so follow
1: politics at all, by the way, <laughs> but that is interesting.
0: No, but when you follow Bible prophecy, because I know yes, you follow Bible exactly. prophecy, that has to go now, wait, 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 wait a minute, what's going mm. on here? Okay, if you want to know more about that yes. story right there, we're going to cover it on The End.Digital.
1: Yeah, to be continued
0: Absolutely NDOT Digital, of course Is continuing again At 7.30 this evening We will be talking about The United States In Bible prophecy Again mm. And it will be followed By a question and answer period In which you can ask Your questions We had so many Interesting questions Come through last night We couldn't get to them all uh, Even though we went 15 minutes over time <laughs> uh, But Yeah Anyway So That's um, Make sure you join us This evening yeah, For sure You will be missed If you are not there all right, so uh, what else is happening around the world? 15 religious, scho- Fifty religious scholars have made a call on Putin to end persecution against Jehovah's Witnesses. Ooh. Um, it's called the Scholar Statement. And this is after armed raids on 110 Jewish homes back in July. Imagine an armed raid on a JW home. I mean, JW are like the least scary people <laughs> yeah, on the planet. No. You know, they come and they knock on their door and they kind of got a big smile on their face and trying to give you their um, watchtowers and whatnot. Uh-uh. They're, they're the most harmless people on the planet and you're going to go in with an armed raid? Seriously? These are people who, who by religion, by their religious requirement, are not allowed to bear arms.
1: Yeah, interesting. So you're going to do an armed yeah, yeah, raid? Yeah, yeah. So, you
0: know, Putin's just a bit of a nut sometimes. Okay. Uh, okay, 170 of them have been imprisoned since 2017 and that's after they were... Officially classified as an extremist group. So it seems that their their crime mm-hmm. is that they have uh, grown too rapidly and been too successful in evangelism, hmm. and that they are foreign. Yeah, right. Seen as a foreign religion. Other foreign religions do exist in Russia. With, you know, even even our church has levels of persecution in Russia that not to the level of the Jehovah's Witnesses, of course, but they're not so keen on foreign religion. Of course, this is, this is a country where the Orthodox Church kind of rules supreme mm-hmm. and is incredibly tightly tied up with the government. Really, really highlights the importance of separation of church and state. Uh, okay, so they don't salute the flag, they don't bear arms, they don't participate in politics, and so that's where they're seen as being somewhat of a threat.
1: So it's because their numbers are growing so much that they're basically seen as. The well, threat. there's
0: 175,000 of them yeah. in Russia. That's like
1: yeah, right. A right, drop. Right, in right. It. Seriously, yeah, okay. what are you worried about?
0: <laughs> you know, yeah. if these were armed extremists, then yeah, I'd be worried. But when they are like, no, by moral requirement of our religion, we do not bear arms. Mm-hmm. It's like okay, I'm not worried about you. you are not a threat. Yeah. <laughs> I don't believe with what you teach, but you're not a threat. You're not a
1: threat. You yeah. know, and they're super
0: friendly whenever they come by your door. I mean you had them knock on your door, right? James Witness? Um
1: Any I haven't enough? actually. Never. But I have had many conversations just you know how sometimes I set up stands outside yep. or there was this one guy I just randomly got didn't know who's a JW and then I was like we started having conversations, I was like, Hold on a minute. <laughs> I have a sneaky suspicion. He was like and then he gave me a couple of watch hours, I was like, I knew it
0: <laughs> um, But yeah,
1: super lovely. Like Yeah. And they
0: so um, harmless, right?
1: So harmless,
0: most yeah. <laughs> harmless yeah.
1: people on the planet. <laughs> oh, dear. Interesting.
0: Okay, so new study that's just come out. Um, and this is a big one. 41,000 people over six years in Australia. So that's pretty big for Australia mm-hmm. on sleep.
1: Oh, okay, yeah. We were talking about sleep Yes, earlier. we were. Uh-huh. You said we were going to talk about it some more. That's right. Is it not getting enough sleep?
0: Uh, one third of Australians uh-huh. are getting enough hours of sleep.
1: But not at the right time?
0: But, sorry, 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 sorry. Let me start, start that again. 40% of Australians are getting enough sleep, uh-huh. but amongst those 40%, what you've got is one-third of the 40% who get enough sleep are still sleepy. Mm. So it's not just about hours of sleep, it's also about quality of sleep.
1: Yeah. A couple of text
0: messages coming through. Let me oh, that's
1: get through exciting. This real
0: quick. Um, so... Um, Yeah, someone's talking about the uh, JW persecution in Russia Just a practice run for the last days Mm. against true Christians Mm -mm. It's pretty much what the Bible indicates Okay, 40% have a healthy amount of sleep 32% of Australians have are borderline getting enough hours of sleep And 28%, that's a pretty big number, Mm -mm. get poor sleep The factors, which is interesting, top of the list Low socioeconomic environment.
1: Ooh, wow. Which you would
0: kind of wonder at because you're thinking if you're unemployed then you should be able to get eight hours of sleep.
1: Yeah, what? but there's so much that goes into unemployed. Like unemployed is not just you're on that's the right. dole for no reason. That's right. Like, yeah. And you can also be low socioeconomic but – wait, is that specifically talking about unemployed or is it like – because I, I personally know people who they're doing the whole working three jobs and have a family. Yes. And I'm like, oh, that's rough.
0: Yes, so this is low socioeconomic. Um, and so a person who's working three jobs is going to be earning enough money while they're not getting enough sleep and they're burning out, they're going to be earning enough money not to be a part of this particular group. Yeah. You're listening to The Breakfast Show podcast on Faith FM, positively different. And joining us on the phone this morning is Justin Tarosian from The N. Digital. Uh Justin, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks so much, Lyle. Justin, fantastic to have you on the show this morning. The N. Digital. Uh, you and I, and your wife, Sharissa, along with uh, Matt Parra, who's the producer, we're all involved in this program. This is our second installment in the series. The focus is on the United States in Bible prophecy. And this was actually your idea to put this particular series together. Why was it that you wanted to do a series here in Australia on. America in Bible Prophecy?
2: Yeah, great question. So we were sitting around, um, the five of us on our team, a couple months back, three, four months ago, and we were talking and praying about um, what to share and what our next series should be. And uh, as we were, my wife Sharissa said, hey, it'd be really cool if we could do something in the lead up to the United States election. And um, we call said, yeah yeah that would be good you know And then um, the, thought, the realization just came to my mind what if we uh, what if we do a series that is discussing the United States um, its history, its rise, how the Bible outlines it and talks about it and uh, you know around times of elections, no matter what country you're in, um, Christians as well as uh, people who aren't Christians have this question, you know they've They've heard the Bible's uh, comments and what it says about God raising up kings and taking them down, and a lot of questions come to mind, like, is every ruler that is in place according to God's will, does God want them there? And then we think of the people who committed these atrocities like Hitler and Stalin, and is it God's will for those rulers to be there? And so we wanted to have a series where we could answer some of these questions, and um, especially Take a look at the amazing pinpoint accuracy of Bible prophecy 2,000 years ago in the book of Revelation in regards to uh, the rise of the United States and it being a major player um, down at the end of time before Jesus returns.
0: Okay, so we're less than a week out from the election. Is it God's will that Trump gets in or Biden gets in?
2: (laughs) Uh, You know... If, uh, if I knew, I would be, um, (laughs) I'd be able to make a lot of, you know, money on that prediction because a lot of people are trying that. There's a guy actually, uh, he's a Christian leader and he recently came out and said, Oh, it's, it's Trump's, it's God's will that Trump win the election. And he revealed this to me and this prophecy and all of this. But, um, you know, either way, I, I think that uh, without getting into the, the political stances of either, um, and either party that do play into, um, you know, different aspects of Bible principle or abandoning Bible principle, um, we can take courage to know that whoever is elected, it's because God has allowed it. And even if it's not God's ideal will that one or the other be elected, he'll still use it for his glory. And um, yeah, he'll be able to work out all of the circumstances um, for his best good.
0: Last night, of course, we opened up with uh, the N. Digital. You were our opening speaker, uh, did the very first presentation, and you were talking about one of the – and just for our listeners that uh, may have missed the uh, program last night, you raised a very interesting contrast between the first two colonies that were formed yeah. in the United States and how they kind of both exist today. Can you just unpack that a little bit for us?
2: Yeah, definitely. You know, um we, we kind of have this flowery view of uh, the United States. If you're raised in America in history in school, at least when I was growing up, you would um have this just flowery perfect picture of the Pilgrims who came over and they loved the Native Americans and they had Thanksgiving together and um you know all of these positive things. But then as you grow a little older, you learn about slavery and this atrocious just terrible wickedness of slavery in the South. And you start to wonder, wait a minute, is it one or the other? Like, was America terrible or was it awesome? Um, In the beginning, was it, yeah. And so, um, in reality, it was both. The first colony was Jamestown, and it was founded in 1607. And Jamestown was funded by entrepreneurs back in London, who sent these uh, these English guys over to, to to found a new colony? They wanted um, to be able to make money. They wanted um, a passage to the Orient and uh, to find resources like gold and silver that they could mine and, and use. Um, and so, because this was a money-making group, their motives were were very uh, selfish. And as a result of this. Uh, They almost died the first winter, by the way. Almost all of them, the first and second winter, almost got wiped out. But the Native Americans locally helped them by giving them some corn and some food. But they actually ended up turning on those Native Americans later and killing them. And um, later, as time went on, they they became allies with them. And the Native Americans taught them uh, about tobacco. And so tobacco became all of the craze back in London. They started farming it in mass, exporting it back. But this required more more manpower, and so indentured servants from Europe, as well as slaves that were brought over on the first slave ship from Africa in 1619, um, began the terrible darkness and wickedness of the plantations of America's south. Uh, Now, up north, there was a very different picture. Just 13 years later, in 1620, the Plymouth Pilgrims set foot on America's shore, and um, these guys were very different. They were running away from the religious intolerance and the persecution of England, the church of England, um, and the King of England. And after the Dutch Republic, uh, became less free because persecution even followed them there, they set out for America on the Mayflower. And as they landed and as they started in America, they, they were friends with the native Americans around them who helped them survive the first winter. In fact, um, one of them walked into the camp, his name was Somerset, and he started speaking in English to them. Um, he learned some English from the, the fishing uh, ships off the shore that had been there uh, earlier that were English speakers. And actually, interestingly enough, I didn't mention in the presentation last night, but the first question he asked them was, do you have beer? And so, unfortunately, they, they brought over some not so positive things uh, from, you know, from England, those fishermen that had been there. But uh, yeah, very positive and different picture. They sat down at the first Thanksgiving meal together after God miraculously saved them uh, through his providence through the first winter. And so they sat down with those Native Americans, ate the food together. They had a, a strong emphasis on religious freedom and uh, civil liberty as well. And so that began uh, the uh, a very different picture up north. And so we have this contrasting picture we have the the Jamestown colony down south that was based upon selfishness and selfish gain, and the legacy that they have left is this very dark one, of um, you know different abuses of mankind for selfish gain, and then uh, up north we had religious freedom, education, Harvard and Yale, and and all of these different universities that were started. Uh, initially, actually, Harvard was started so ministers could be trained to share the gospel uh, with more people. And so anyhow, we have a very different picture that emphasizes education, religious freedom, and, and selflessness. So we have this this contrast, even from America's beginning, of it being um, wonderful and full of people that were wanting to bless and encourage and uplift others. And then those in the South, and, of course, there were good people in the South and, and not so good people in the northern part in Plymouth. But um, that's kind of the general answer uh, to the question. It was a mixture of both, and both have left uh, a very different legacy through that's come down to us now.
0: Yes, and I think that um, when you look at America today, it's one of those things that, you know, looking at America from the outside, we sort of sit back and we, we sometimes ask ourselves the question, okay, is America a good thing or is America a bad thing? And just as it was back at the very beginning, it's still kind of the same. You know, there are some there are some wonderful things about America. I've lived there for three and a half years, and it's just an amazing country full of amazing people. And I could say, you know, so many tremendous good things about America. But as we have seen in recent times, there is a very very dark side to America as well. And and I think those two colonies really do illustrate. Um, the, 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 the fact there, just as I was listening to you, I was thinking, well you know, that colony in Jamestown, um, you know, it could be known as you know they're, they're trading in, in tobacco, so they were kind of like the first drug lords um, yeah. Yeah. trading in the new world. Now, Justin, as we progress from here, so the presentations have just started, what's coming up next? Where, where are we heading to next in the series?
2: Yeah, great question. So tonight, um, actually, Lyle, it's your presentation tonight, um, and it's an exciting one. It is uh, basically a look at the chapter uh, that pinpoints and predicts the rise of the United States in the in Bible prophecy. So it's a look at Revelation chapter thirteen, but it's laying the groundwork. It's kind of answering the question: What were the founders of America reacting to in Europe? And uh, we're going to look at what the Bible says would take place with this, this power that would be claiming to be um, God's power, God's uh, movement, basically, uh, but would be operating with principles very opposite to, the, to God's government. And so that foundation is going to be laid tonight from Revelation 13, and then tomorrow night will be uh, the rise of the United States, that specific prophecy. A lot of people have written in in the live Q and A to us last night and asked, you know, you didn't mention yet where the Bible, where in the Bible you believe that uh, the United States is predicted. Well, you know, we're getting there. And tonight's laying the foundation, and then tomorrow night is pinpointing it. The rest of the time we'll be talking about the United States Constitution. We have two presentations on that, and that is very interesting. Um, Not only the history of the Constitution, why it was written, how it was written and um, the principles in it, um, and their significance to us today, but also what things are happening that are so unconstitutional in the United States and leading the way um, for, uh, as the Bible predicts, eventually the overturning of the Constitution. And so that's really exciting. It's yet to come. And uh, that'll take us up through, like, message number five of the nine. And so, yeah, we'll have to we'll have to encourage you to just keep tuning in for the rest of uh, the presentation as we go through.
0: On the book, on the program last night, you were promoting a book uh, written by your great, 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 I think, grandmother. Uh, yeah. Why promote a book that is so old? I mean, this was written maybe, what, 150, 140 years ago, something like that. Uh, why promote a book that is so old to talk about current events?
2: Hmm. Yeah, great question. And the same could be asked of the Bible, actually. It's not the Bible, don't get me wrong. But, um, the same could be asked of the Bible, and it often is. Yeah, the Bible's like 2,000 years old, the newest part of it, right? Like, why, why are we reading it today? Um, well, this book, it actually outlines history from about the year 70 AD with the destruction and fall of Jerusalem, um, all the way down to when it was written in, uh, in, you know, the late 1800s. And um, even beyond then, because it goes into Bible prophecy as to what Bible prophecy says the future will look like, not only in the United States, but even beyond. Um, the reason, one of the main reasons I recommended it was there's a chapter in there called The Pilgrim Fathers that's a really beautiful um, and clear historical, and it's full of historical references um, from solid historians. Um, and it's just an awesome resource... Especially in regards to the presentation last night, that is that chapter in Fathers. But it actually stretches beyond that. And it um, looks at America's role in current world events. But even though it was written about 150 years ago, in that time that it was written, America was not a superpower yet. Um, and yet, the Bible predicted that it would be. And we see the fulfillment um, now in reality. It also, the book also stretches forward into the future as to what the Bible says will take place, um, you know, between now and Jesus' second coming. And so really, really powerful epic. The first half goes through the, the Protestant reformers of Europe and how uh, God started restoring these different Bible truths that were lost sight of. Um, powerful stories of people like John Huss and, and um, people like the Waldensees who stood for their faith even in the face of death. So it traces the path of freedom, um, yeah, for, for from the last two thousand years until um current America's role in current world events, as well as stretching into the future as to what's gonna happen before Jesus' second coming. And so I highly recommend it to anybody. If you don't want to listen, if you're more of a listener, you're listening this morning and you're like, Yeah, I'm not so much of a reader, you can find it online. Um if you type in the great controversy. Uh, there's an audio. Ver- there's a uh, what's it called? Dramatized version of it. If you go to the website thedesireofagesproject.com, dot com, you can find an audio version of the book that's dramatized with some a little bit of background music and some sound effects. And um, super powerful book that you will be blessed by.
0: And I think what what's <laughs> what's especially powerful about promoting a book that is so old is that it demonstrates that when you're a student of the Bible and you go by what the Bible says and what the Bible predicts in the future, then your material is never going to go out of date.
2: That's right. It becomes more relevant as time goes on instead of less.
0: Justin, thank you so much for joining us here on Faith FM this morning.
2: Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.